0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. All right. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Harris English, the fifth PGA tour player to test positive for the coronavirus was part of pre-tournament screening at the rocket mortgage classic in Detroit. He didn't play. In the last tournament, the Travelers Championship won by Dustin Johnson. Again, no announcement on the NHL Hub Cities. We uh, continue to wait for that. After not getting it today, we uh, think probably tomorrow. 26 players, according to the NHL, have tested positive for COVID-19 since Phase 2 started June 8th. Now, some of these positive tests had been announced in the past. Of them had uh, 11 of them had already been announced on June 19th. The league said there were 11 others. Um, outside of uh, players taking part in phase two and four new cases amongst players actually going to their arenas or training facilities. So that is the update there. The NHL said more than 250 players who worked out at team facilities were administered more than 1,450 tests, part of the ongoing story of the National Hockey League and the sports world. Reed Wilkins with you on Inside Sports, 780-496-0063 is how you reach out. And I am pleased to welcome back to the program former NHL goaltender, my buddy Joaquin Gage. Joaquin, how are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Good to talk to you again. Uh, we, we had you on uh, pretty early in the in the pandemic. We got our wires crossed on a booking a, a few weeks ago.
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't know you were semi-retired with only doing one hour now. I, I figured I was to on two. at my normal time, not realizing that you, uh, you're you getting paid for two hours and doing one. i gotta, I, I, I got to get into I, more of this radio gig. <laughs>
0: I'm back to two hours as of last Monday. It's pretty oh, exciting. Okay, uh, well, I am in my go. basement, though. I am
1: in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm I'm upstairs so that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey uh, look Joaquin always love having you on the show cuz you can cover off so many uh, so many different topics you're you're often uh, you're often humorous but you can be uh, you can be serious and thoughtful as well and I, and I saw a post on your social media I uh, I believe from Friday a picture of the 2000 2001 Edmonton Oilers and you wrote I was lucky enough to be one of the five visible minorities on this team we need to educate and not discriminate hashtag change hockey culture that's been a big discussion recently and obviously it was important for you to have a say as well
1: yeah i um, it's uh with the with everything that's gone on in the world as we see like the the protesting and and especially to our neighbors to the south of us um i've been talking to guys uh sean brown uh sean bell of just about some of our experiences with with racism um and i uh, i talked about this before on on my podcast just uh, how lucky we are to a man we all said how lucky we are to where we live and and to have that like some Parts in the U.S., I think, just people don't, don't feel safe, and sometimes you take that for granted a little bit. And uh, I'm, we're a, well, to a man, we all said that we were really fortunate to where to, to where we live now, and and the uh, the support we get from families and friends.
0: Yeah, well, and the Oilers have. Uh, I mean, Grant Fuhr. I mean, look, I'm not saying it was a conscious effort by by Glenn Sather or whoever, but it just kind of did turn out that way. And I mean, that was a quarter of the roster that one
1: year yeah it just it seemed to work out like that it was uh and it was it was funny because we kind of knew but it didn't really it didn't really hit home for me till um i think i told you this before but we i believe we were in st louis and we were all on the cover of the usa today um and just a little little blurb about the oilers and and the and the players that were playing on the team at that point and that was like i it was a realization that wow that's that's pretty cool that's that's that doesn't happen much yeah i think the uh i do believe the opportunity for it to happen again will will happen sooner rather than later but uh at that point when the majority of players were white in the nhl to have five guys of of color on one team that was uh I'm, i'm proud of that that was that was a fun time because it didn't matter no one even The only thing different I said was always that the the music was just a little bit better in the dressing room.
0: What was your choice of music at that time?
1: Oh, I didn't have a choice, Reed, but I just, sometimes um, I'm not a massive country guy, but uh, at that point you can just, you can only listen to so much Garth Brooks. I'm sorry. (laughs)
0: So somebody else took control. Of that
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I left. Well, George was big enough where he could he could do it. Uh, G- Rosie Greer had a had a lot, had a lot of pull, and um, with Anson, he, you know, they could they could form the wall around the around the sound system, and and uh, Sean and I would kind of sit back.
0: <laughs> when you when you heard something that was racist, whether it was directed at you or a teammate or maybe someone you knew. And i don't know how often it happened in in your career like is it that's got to be kind of jarring were were you the type of guy who who could you could confront that right away you might like i don't know i mean I, i can't even imagine being in that situation
1: it it took me years reed and i would say really to the point where maybe 10 to 15 years ago where I would actually confront the person with what they said. Um, I mean, a lot of times I was the only person of color on a hockey team, right? And someone would say something. I I, thought I would always hear it, it would seem. Um, a lot of guys, They, I think they would catch themselves afterwards and realize what they said. And I, sometimes I would get apologies. But uh, for the most part, I, I pretended like I didn't hear it. And um, just like... Uh, I had a, I had a, uh, something happened to me last week where um, a person confronted me to my face and was uh, a set of very Racial slur to my face, and I was I was shocked. I was just, and he made reference to that the, to that team with the with the with, the, with the, us five guys on it, and I that's one of the reasons why I did post that. Um, I talked about it before. It was just a, it was a such a weird because it's something like that hasn't happened to me in years, you know, and and for it to happen now in the in the climate that we're in and and all the things that are happening for to to go through that and i just i mean the 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 rainbow of emotions that you that you go through i was i was so angry at first and then i you know and and i just wanted to be physical and then i there was restraint and and then um just trying to be respectful and and then the next day just just a lot of sadness i've i've had so many people that uh that the event that i was at have reached out to me with apologies and um and uh such kind words towards me it's uh it's really affected me and um i'd i'd like to thank all those people that have that have written to me and contacted me and and um said that's not what they're about and they're it's uh it's it's been an emotional couple of days for me for sure and it's uh it's uh, it's been a real special last few days with with the amount of Well-wishers that have that have written me things and and uh, said nothing but good things. So it's uh, It's it's sad that something like that happens to to maybe shed light on something so dark, but um, We're not going to change the way people think without educating them Um, and just We need to like I said we need to educate and not discriminate. It's uh, it's 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 a it's an awful awful thing to go through and no one should have to
0: Yeah well, thanks for sharing that, Joaquin. I mean, I can't even imagine facing that and someone thinking that that's an appropriate way to try to communicate, well, not even communicate, but try to say, say, something, say something to you. Like it's still, I, I still kind of, I, I still for myself find it shocking that someone not only can have those thoughts, but then can verbalize them and think that somehow they, that might be appropriate.
1: I, I, it's, it was so weird. Reed, it was like, I was out of my body for a sec. I didn't know what, I, like, what, what just happened? What did he just say to me? I just couldn't, I couldn't process it quick, you know? And, um, and all these, all these things, what do I, <laughs> I mean, at first I really wanted to, to borrow some of his teeth for a little bit, right? But I, I couldn't do that. I was, I was with, uh, I was there at, uh, a good friend of mine james had invited me to this event and and uh, i was representing him and also myself and you know and i just uh i excused myself from the uh from the whole situation it was it was too bad because it was such a great event but um like i said the the people that have that have contacted me and reached out it's uh it's it's really warmed my heart
0: well that that's good to hear and uh you know people who have the the attitude of the person who said that to you sometimes uh you know, they they can find themselves being ostracized from from situations down the road, right? So yeah. well, well, I guess yeah. we'll see how that that plays out. But th- thanks for sharing that, and, and I do appreciate that. Joaquin Gage joining us tonight on uh, on Inside Sports. We'll we'll shift gears and, and go to, down a, a different path here, still a hockey one, but they're they're picking up cities. Maybe tomorrow, Joaquin, and I know you've been following this closely, and it's uh, it's quite a winding road. I mean, we know that it's certainly not unanimous among the players about if and how they should be doing this it's uh it, it really just keeps winding around doesn't it
1: well i i mean i thought i was pins and needles today you know and i i don't know i i i want i don't care if it's the east i'd just like to have hockey in edmonton even if we couldn't go it's just it it would make me feel better i think about the right. whole situation we're in um i don't know if uh i believe it was what 15 players Returned and, and are positive, so um, that's that's not too encouraging. But um, let's—I uh, don't know what if that's going to affect their decisions on certain things. I just, I don't know. In my opinion, just—I I mean, CNN is basically playing in the background most of the day in my house, and and seeing how the issues that they have with controlling this virus. Um, I just, I don't know how. I look at it as on the player side. I don't know how I could, I could put myself in danger or even my family in danger going to a, especially well Vegas with being such a, a vacation spot and with airlines kind of opening straight up. You're going to see a lot more travel. Um, it just doesn't seem safe. Canada, the the last thing we want is one of our. Well, any hockey player, but I mean, have someone to uh, to get seriously ill, and God forbid, something someone die, with just because we we wanted to have it in a, in a different venue. That uh, that just that's not safe. That doesn't make sense. Yeah,
0: I I mean, I I hope. It's, yeah, 26 total players have had it either at the training facilities or in, you know, wherever they're, they're training since June 8th. I mean, it was inevitable that, I mean, athletes aren't immune to it, right? And we were yeah. finding out a lot of younger people are getting it now, and th- thankfully, there aren't a lot, as many hospitalizations as death and death as maybe was feared. But we don't know about the long term effects and we don't know exactly where it's uh, where it's going. It, it's just it's going to be such a strange tournament. There, there will be games at noon. There will be the, the round robin for the higher seeds that won't actually be playoff games it's I mean, once they, they get playing i think teams will get into the swing of it and maybe the team that just adjusts quickly to what's actually happening is, is the one that's going to wind up with the cup at the end
1: you know i think it's just going to be one of those throwbacks when you when you were a kid playing hockey i remember um going to tournaments and and you know you have those four games in one day to get to the final right like um it's not that it's not like guys haven't done that before in their lives. It, obviously, it was when they were a lot younger. But um, I mean, it is a game. It's a kids' game, and, and for the most part, hockey players are just big kids playing something they love throughout their whole lives. Um, and i i'm excited for that aspect of it i just think it's i've we have to embrace what we're in right now reed i mean everything is so upside down and uh nothing's going to be back to what we considered normal for for a while i don't think um and we're just gonna have to roll with it i think i i i'm excited to see it i hope it goes through i hope we don't have any more setbacks because um it, it it would be really nice to have something like hockey to just uh, take our minds off what's actually going on here and there
0: before I let you go Hall of Fame Kevin
1: Lowe Jerome Ginla going in what do you think um, Jerome is one of the nicest guys ever um, and just a whale of a hockey player Uh any young guys to go back and, and model their game after someone. Jerome was was unbelievable. That run that they lost, unfortunately, against the Tampa that year. Um, I it was the only time I think I cheered for Calgary. It was because um, seeing Jerome put that team on his shoulders so many times throughout that playoffs, that whole run, um, so impressive and so humble. Such a good guy, um, and Kevin. Kevin was great. I mean, I I got to play with him a little bit when I was first with Edmonton and then uh, being my GM for a while. uh, When he... I told this story when um, we were actually in New York and we were playing a little three-on-three after practice and he brought his gear and played. And uh, there was a couple guys and he he didn't even have any gear on, just gloves and, and a stick. And his competitive level, like, it was... It was ridiculous. It was too much, really. He was hacking, whacking, slashing, scoring, high fiving, doing anything just to just to win. And uh, it uh, he was a great guy. I was lucky enough to play with him, and I was fortunate enough to have him as my GM as well. It's it's well deserved. You hear all the greats talk about talk about him and how he was in the room and and how he showed up every single day. I, I know we hear that a lot, but when you have guys like Coffee and Gretzky and messier's saying that this guy showed up every day and and never took a day off that's that's amazing because those guys were were the best players ever and they uh it's uh it's a well deserved honor i'm glad he does i hope that four goes up in the uh in the rafters soon yeah, I think that's probably the next step.
0: Joaquin, you are always a gentleman to come on the show. Uh, we covered a lot tonight. Thanks for sharing that that emotional story. I think it's important people uh, hear that, and we keep moving forward and putting incidents like that uh, in our past, hopefully, and good for you for standing up for yourself. Thanks for checking in tonight, man. We'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, thanks, Reed. Thanks for giving me the platform to do that. I appreciate it. Take care. Right on. Bye. That is Joaquin Gage checking in tonight, former goaltender with the Edmonton Oilers, played for the uh, Portland Winterhawks and Prince Albert Raiders in the dub and uh, had some pretty successful stints in Europe as well. So, uh, yeah, there you hear Joaquin Gage, um, racist slur directed towards him uh, last week, and that led to him wanting to post that 2000-2001 Oilers team that had five players of color on the roster. It is 7.22. Quick timeout on Insight Chat. About about, about 6.30, chat. From the Offspring. Inside Sports on 630. Chad, thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Always great to have Joaquin Gage on the show. Entertaining and uh, tonight very honest about uh, a racial slur that was directed at him just last week at an event. So, man, that is, uh, that's tough to hear. Uh, the, what people have to have to deal with and i mean joaquin's in in edmonton so i mean this isn't something we say is just an american problem or just in such and such part of the united states or or whatever this was in edmonton somebody thought it was appropriate to to say that to joaquin gage and reference a, a team he played on with some other black players as well pretty shocking joaquin told you about how he dealt with that and how he's tried to deal with similar incidents throughout his hockey career always good to have him on the show we've had brian blessing on tonight as well talking about las vegas as a possible hub city for the nhl we uh hope and mostly expect to get the announcement tomorrow the nhl today saying there have been a total of 26 players since june 8th who have tested positive for covid 19 all right we'll update the ajhl with ryan bartoschek the commissioner of the league, when we get back, Inside Sports on
1: Never don't be sad.
0: All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 7.33 Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, good chat with Joaquin Gage. We've been keeping you updated on what's going on with, well, several leagues that affect teams in the uh, Edmonton uh, area. Obviously, the Canadian Elite Basketball League we updated last week. We've let you know about the Western Canadian Baseball League and the Edmonton Prospects, FC Edmonton in the Canadian Premier League, the CFL, U Sports. And tonight we want to talk a little bit about the Alberta Junior Hockey League, a league that is always near and dear to my heart. I spent the first seven years of my career in Lloydminster, covering primarily the Lloydminster Blazers and Bobcats, but also a lot of Bonneville Pontiacs and teams around the league as well. So it's good to welcome back to Inside Sports the commissioner of the A.J., Ryan Bartoszek. Ryan, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Hi, hey, Reed. Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks a lot for catching up with us. Tonight, man, it's, uh, you know, so tough for, for the world of sports right now. I know the AJHL uh, about 10 days ago had its annual general meeting. Tell me about some of the discussion that is there and, and how you're looking ahead to the fall.
2: Yeah, uh, had that meeting a little later than, than normal, uh, but had the opportunity to to come together and, and actually physically meet in, in Red Deer. So it was good to have some sort of normal normal situation and, and bring that group together and, and you know have some candid conversation about the existing situation and what's happening next season and and beyond so as a result of of that meeting um right now we're in the process of, of scheduling next season obviously there's a number of contingencies in place and and factors that are going to impact that season but um we're hoping to release a schedule here early in july
0: what, 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 I, when I covered the league, they usually played anywhere between 60 and 64 games. Are you still at that number?
2: Uh, we're at a 58-game schedule uh, coming okay. up. So um, with 15 teams in the league this upcoming season and then 16 after that,
0: um, right now we're at 58. Okay. So you're, look, you're looking at a full season then. I mean, you're not going down to 40 or 45 or something like that. So that's positive
2: yeah and then you know working with our communities and our facilities the the reality was we needed to start scheduling and we needed to start uh allocating some dates because as as you know the prime user groups in the majority of those facilities uh we needed to block those off and and give other user groups the opportunity to start planning uh for next season as well so working with those groups we we're, we're looking at a full schedule. Um, again, there may be some scenarios where we may not start September 18th. Um, there's also scenarios where we could add those games on the back end of the schedule. So um, a couple things in place just in case we don't get that September 18th start.
0: Are you doing anything like to reduce travel maybe more double headers and I know you guys do that anyway or just having keeping all the north teams in the north and the south will play the south are you planning anything like that
2: yeah we'll we'll release the the complete details when we announce the schedule but obviously those those things factored in um when we put together our schedule and and even looking at what that travel looks like to start the season the more the majority of that travel in september october early november just will be purely within division um so we did consciously factor that into to the composition of the schedule
0: okay yeah which which makes sense because Okay, and I'm, I'm, Ryan, I'm just throwing everything at you here, and I know maybe yeah. you haven't decided anything. It, like, are you going to be able to travel the same way? Might you have to have more physical distancing, which might mean two buses instead of one? Or what's going on with that?
2: Yeah, some some initial parameters and guidelines as far as, you know, return to play from Hockey Canada laid out some recommendations. And, again, there's a lot of moving parts to, to what our season looks like and, and in conjunction with, you know, Hockey alberta and our facilities again and our municipalities everything's going to be impacted as far as what our game looks like within the facility how many people are going to be there obviously the relationship with billets and buses and potential hotel travel that's all going to be factored in again hopefully we can alleviate some of that early on in the beginning of the year by you know just having teams go in and out and, and reduce hotel nights, but um
0: yeah there's a multitude of factors that are going to impact us to start the season okay yeah i mean there's so much to consider more than just hey we might have to adjust the schedule a little bit because if yeah. there is distancing or, or health concerns or, or rules from uh the provincial government or a regional authority. We gotta worry about all that kind of stuff. And I think it's important to to realize those are the types of things that the AGHL and other leagues are dealing with. Ryan Bartosic, commissioner of the AJ, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, here's here's the loaded question. The possibility of no fans, can you guys proceed in that scenario?
2: No, I mean, I don't see a scenario where, where we can operate without fans, and then that's that's the lifeblood of, of our operations and in conjunction with the support we get from, from community sponsors. So looking at those scenarios as far as how many people we can get in, um, whether they're wearing masks, social distancing within the facilities, those are all going to be factors for us moving forward. So um, to play without fans isn't an option.
0: Yeah, okay. And we got the same answer from the WHL as well. So, yeah, hopefully there can be some sort of, I mean, there might, I guess there might be a capacity limit, but you can still get as many people as possible in.
2: Yeah, and I think there's an acknowledgement um, from both our facilities and the government that, you know, the HHL and the Western Hockey League, those are those are businesses. And um, there's going to be parameters set out, and we're going to have to follow those. But at the end of the day, um, I think it's important to recognize that, you um, we're, we're businesses we need fans in the stands we need to be able to operate So uh, again we'll we'll follow guidelines and and restrictions uh as as much as we can to ensure the safety of of our athletes and then the communities that's going to be a obviously a, a big priority but um we need to be able to have people in our buildings as well
0: well, and, and I wonder too, for a league like the AJ, and I just know, you know, on, on your website, you do have sponsorship for the divisions and the championship. And those are some pretty large companies, you, you know, you'd call some of them even corporations. But I also know from when I covered the league, Ryan, you know, Reed's clothing store in downtown Lloydminster on 50th Street might buy a you know board advertising or have something in in the program or ryan snack shack with the green yeah. fries right and yeah. you wonder if those businesses are going to be able to have be able to afford to to, to pitch in this year
2: well and, and i mean you, you talk about the hhl and you talk about the the impact and significance of of our communities and um we are part of that now and again we're going to have to work with our facilities and we're going to have to understand that you know businesses are struggling within our communities, and we're going to have to look at new ways to potentially generate revenue and and support those groups that have supported our league for such a long time. So, again, just another one of the factors that are going to play into us having a season and and starting up again.
0: Brian, before I let you go, I want to hit on a couple other things. Sherwood Park Crusaders President Kevin Love, the Ken Bracco Award for AJHL Executive of the Year. I, I think that's the first time you guys ever gave that out. Tell me a little bit about uh, about Kevin.
2: Yeah, congratulations to Kevin, and that that is the first year that we awarded that. And you know, just as as all Board of Governors within our league put put in countless hours and um, contribute to the league. You know, Kevin Kevin has really done a great job and and supported the league and the initiatives, and um, really grown that team in Sherwood Park and. Provided his staff and, and a great staff there as well that have contributed to the success of that organization. So really a collaborative effort there. And, and Kevin's been able to provide great leadership, not only for his team, but, but to the league as well. So, um, yeah, very, very honored to, to, to announce that award on behalf of the league.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you and I have used the word community a few times in this interview and, uh, you know, I know maybe for the Edmonton area, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it sometimes. Maybe those teams get lost in the shuffle sometimes, even though they've all done great. The Crusaders have been on a high. But you go out to the Lloyd Ministers, Bonnevilles, and Camrose's of the world, and, you know, the, the guy who's managing uh you know the home hardware or or the gas station he's going to a board meeting that night you know or helping set up billets or is billeting kids himself i mean it does take the whole community to keep these teams going
2: yeah just just how everything's interconnected and, and you mentioned it whether they're they're sitting on the board um whether they're a volunteer whether they're a billet uh they're all necessary for the success of our league so Again, credit to, to all those people involved in our league, from right from our board to, to the volunteers, um, billets, et cetera. So all, all integral to our league for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, Ryan, thanks for the update. Obviously, we're going to keep in touch and, and don't hesitate to give us a poke too if there's a message you need to get out there across the province concerning the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And uh, I'm encouraged you're going ahead with the schedule and and I think you're going to get fans in and hopefully the capacity keeps going up and up as the season goes on. Thanks for yep. checking in tonight appreciate that thank you right on always good to talk to ryan ryan bartoschek is the commissioner of the alberta junior hockey league so they want to go ahead with their 58 game schedule 15 teams in the league this year hoping to start at september 18th Uh, they do have that annual showcase uh, which was uh, supposed to be this year in Camrose from September 24 to 26 that will be postponed, hopefully to host in the second half of this season. And congratulations to Kevin Love from the Crusaders, first ever recipient of the Ken Bracco Award for AJHL Executive of the Year. An important league, an important league in the, in the province. Uh, and, and more and more opportunities for maybe players to go pro, whether they go to the NHL or wind up going to play in Europe or, or you know, have a solid minor league career or, or whatever with more pro teams, more opportunities for uh, players playing in the AJ to uh, pursue hockey a little bit longer term as well. Always good to talk about that league. 7.44, quick timeout on Inside Sports. <laughs> That is the new and maybe we'll be seeing him playing games in about a month or so. Hub Cities maybe tomorrow for the National Hockey League training camps. Uh, J- July 10th is the date they're using right now, I have heard, because that's a Friday. They may just go July 13th because that's a Monday. We'll see as that goes along. A lot there still to sort out, and uh, one of the primary stories we're following here on inside sports and 6:30 Chet, and a story that uh broke uh, yesterday and was uh quickly resolved well in, in in one way i suppose was christian jones kick returner formerly of the edmonton eskimos uh, he tweeted out i guess it was saturday night he first put it out he says i'm gonna keep it this real man ain't supposed to be with a man a woman is not supposed to be with another woman that's me though live life with safety uh some people challenged him on twitter because of that and uh he uh, came back a little, a little angrily, uh, eventually did apologize, but then eventually was released by the Edmonton Eskimos as uh, we're in the middle of, uh, of uh, pride celebrations as well. And to talk about that, we welcome back to Inside Sports Brock McGillis. Brock, we have had you on the show uh, before, and uh, just a quick recap of, uh, you know, one of the ways you are defined, and that is as the first uh, openly gay pro hockey player. So thanks for checking into this night. How have you been, by the way, before we dive into this story?
3: I've been great. I mean, yeah, I'm doing well. Just, you know, um, trying to get through the pandemic like everyone else, and feel a little cooped up in toronto right now it's a little crazier here than i think it is anywhere else in the country so but overall
0: it's not too bad yourself I, i'm doing okay i've been working from home uh I, i'm in my basement so you know we're, we're making a go of it and maybe i'll be hosting oilers broadcasts in uh in four or five weeks Th- thanks for coming on with with this christian jones story tonight i'll just start kind of generally when you first saw his initial tweet and then some of the subsequent reaction and, and him sort of firing back, uh, you know, what, what's going through your mind here in, in June of
3: 2020? I think nothing surprises me anymore. Um, uh, what really got me more so than anything was when he, uh, accused people of being racist for criticizing him for being homophobic. Um, that that sort of got me and it's it's dangerous to do that it's dangerous to um weaponize that in that way because it takes away from actual racism that goes on uh constantly in society and um it, it, it can you know it can take away from all the strong uh powerful voices out there trying to shift racism in culture
0: Brock, I, I, I got to ask you this, this question, because part of Jones's argument and an ex-team, an ex-SMO Nate Coohorn came up, basically said this, that they said, look, that, that's what I believe. I believe that if you are gay or, or lesbian or whatever, I, 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 you know, their argument is that they just believe that, that that is wrong and they don't accept same-sex marriage or, or, or anything like that. And and we get that rhetoric where it's like, well, you know, I'm entitled to my to my opinion. When you hear that kind of stuff, how you're you're far better at responding to that kind of thing than I am.
3: Yeah, I my my question to people who say that are, do they? What if I said I believed, you know, or what if somebody said that they believed that um, women uh, didn't deserve the same rights as men? Or that uh, people of color deserve less than white people. Or, you know, pick, pick the minority group. It's, it's frustrating and disappointing that um, somebody's belief, a belief, not based on facts, just a belief, is wrong. And therefore, they can deny my identity as a human being. I'm a human being. I'm a person. If, if do you think you know, uh, with all the adversity and struggle that I've gone through being a gay man in professional hockey, I would have done it like it was my first choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, i'm I'm proud that I'm a gay man now and and I've learned to love myself and and accept who I am. But I mean, come on, it would have been a lot easier to be a straight guy playing hockey. So so if, if their belief versus my lived life, my identity are two entirely different things. And and it, 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 to somebody like it, of color who's probably experienced racism, you have to ask, like, how, how do they feel when somebody goes, well, it's my belief that white supremacy exists or should exist? You know, it's, it's disappointing. It's really frustrating.
0: Yeah, Brock McGillis joining us tonight on uh, on Inside Sports. You know, I, I follow you on Twitter, as I mentioned, you were on the show. I think I think a couple of years ago we uh, we had you on the show, so we have talked before, and you have told your story. Um, look, this might kind of sound like a, almost a glib way to put it, but I think you'll understand why I'm asking. Like, like are things improving? Like your Twitter account has posted some very. Um, positive and uplifting anecdotes as well from people you've you've related related with like is there a generation coming up that is more accepting and you know doesn't use the homophobic language and all that kind of stuff is there progress
3: i think there's progress in the sense that um the next generation and and younger people have been exposed to more growing up online Um, It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter, you know, um, if they grew up in, uh, I grew up in northern Ontario, where there wasn't a ton of exposure to diversity. Or, you know, if they grew up in major centres, they're being exposed to the same things through social media and different platforms. So because of that, it's normalized, in a sense, to see a trans person online. It's normalized to see gay people or lesbians or bisexuals or anyone else from the community. Uh, it's a little more normalized there. So it's not, and kids are coming out younger because of it. So it's not as, as weird and, and, and to this generation coming up, it's just like, yeah, whatever, they're just people. Except, I don't think, especially in something like hockey culture, um, because it's so insular, because they're products of their environment and they're cooped up in arenas six nights a week from the age of seven years old, and they're influenced by older generations. Um, it it hasn't the language hasn't shifted in those environments as much as their thoughts have. So. In male team sports cultures, we still have a long way to go in evolving it because the language is still there. And, and to me, that is going to keep people away from the sport or hiding who they are.
0: Were you able to come out to any teammates or friends before you sort of made it, you know, came out on a wider level?
3: No, so you know what? I wasn't out. I was, um, I come out to uh the first one of the first people i came out to was brendan burke and um one day brendan sent me a message and it said i can't wait for the day that you're up to your family like i am to mine and um i didn't answer him out of fear not that my parents wouldn't be inclusive or supportive but my dad coached AAA and junior hockey for 30 plus years he scouted in the ohl for a while my brother was the first round pick in the ohl played professionally and I worried that they would become more sensitive to the languages in the locker rooms and stand up to it and accidentally out me. So I ignored his message and two days later, Brennan passed away. And that's when I came out to my family and to my friends, but I remained closeted in hockey for a long time. Actually, even after I retired, I stayed closeted in hockey because I started working with athletes in Sudbury and I feared that parents wouldn't want their kids working with me. Only to find out a few years later that they all knew and uh, that was part of the reason why I came out publicly. And because the uh, hockey associations basically stopped letting me. They, they were gatekeeping me. They were stonewalling my business. And I wasn't allowed to work with their athletes in season. They kicked me out. Um, so I came out in an article for Yahoo Sports in 2016 um, where I came out publicly. And from there, I um, you know, sort of had ex-teammates. Friends of mine, whatnot, people I'd lost contact with, uh, hockey people from around the globe reach out. And now I travel the world speaking and sharing and empowering.
1: Well, Brock, we we
0: appreciate you you sharing tonight. Your your perspective is is very important. I I think the way you, you explain everything provides a lot of clarity as well. And I appreciate you doing that. So, thanks for for checking in tonight. Really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk again down the road, and uh, and all the best. And enjoy the NHL whenever it's going. Yeah. Well, thank you
3: so much, and hopefully you're back broadcasting games soon.
0: Right on. That is Brock McGillis checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Tristan uh, Jones and his tweets. The jumping off point for that and Jones has been released by the Edmonton Eskimos. Okay. Besides Brock tonight, you heard from Ryan Bartoszik, the commissioner of the Alberta junior hockey league. Joaquin Gage was also on the show. Brian blessing from the Vegas hockey hotline. Thanks to everybody who texted in. Always good to hear from you tomorrow. Maybe we'll be talking about hub cities. We shall see. Don't forget Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to two. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.